Read with your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. There is a cost to staying stuck, a cost to not letting go and moving on when you have to. Today, many of us have more than one job throughout our lives, but making that leap sometimes from one unfulfilling place to a better space, that requires something more than courage sometimes. Today, we meet a man who went from flight attendant to working at Microsoft to becoming a high-level executive at Autodesk. He's written a book about growth and agency. Harish Chandani is the author of Growth by Choice. Good morning, Harish. Good morning, Michelle. Thanks for having me here. Oh, lovely to speak with you. I think this book is valuable because it helps us overcome our fears. So you at age seven are afraid of failing exams. What happened? Oh, gosh, that brings back memories. I was seven years old and, you know, I was sitting for my primary one exams and in, in, in I just froze one evening because I was so afraid of failing. Yeah. I couldn't move. I was like paralyzed. And, you know, my parents were freaking out, you know, and, and they were just wondering what happened. I clearly missed school uh, the next day. I missed all my exams. The good news those days, you fail or pass, you still get promoted. So I still went on to primary two. But oh, hey, that's great. Hey, I, yeah. Did you know not, that? Did you? Know? I didn't know that. No, no, I promise you, I didn't know that. I promise you, that was all. <laughs> but it was that smart. <laughs> it was pretty tough for you because you you froze and you describe it in the book as a catatonic state. So you weren't talking. I I, I could hardly talk. I talked a little bit, but I I couldn't move. My my literal body was frozen. It was as if I went. I was I was I was paralyzed, and so it was temporary paralysis. I eventually you know went and I saw doctors and. I even saw a psychiatrist at one point, you know, mm. truth be told, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, but it, it, was then, then, it was then that I realized it was just fear that paralyzed me. It was just a mental state. It, was, it had nothing to do with my physical state. Wow. So at a very young age, I kind of realized what fear can do to you and how, how fear is just a feeling or an emotion. It's not a thing. You know, so and and I had and to, yet it is a force. I mean, that it expressed itself physically like that for a seven-year-old. I can imagine, you know, yeah, really brought home to the, really brings home what fear can do to you. It absolutely does. So I I've been on a journey, you know, hmm. through my my career to to fight fear, to find courage, and and face face what I needed to face because it freedom resides in in facing your fear. Freedom doesn't reside in in you running away from it or in you putting it under the carpet or, or disguising it in different ways. Okay, you know? I'm just curious because I know a lot of parents are listening in, PSLE, around the corner, <laughs> things like that. Um, how did you get over specifically the fear of examinations? What helped you, you know, as a child? Uh, you know, I, I come from a very loving home. I, I came from a, a home where I had a set of parents who gave me the most precious gift that they could give me, which was love. Right. And, and that helped a lot. They created an environment where, you know, they kept expectations incredibly low. And I learned very early on in my life through my parents that if I'm going to get an A, they wanted me to get an A in happiness. You know, it wasn't getting an A in math or, or, or an A in history or what that mattered to them. What happened, what mattered to them was, was I happy? Was I okay? So they stressed and, to you that what they wanted was for you to be happy more than any sort of result at the exam. And that helped you get over your fear? Massively, massively. It's it, it, uh, it multiple things, right? It, it's, it's the people you talk to, you know. It's the family environment that they gave me. It's the love that they gave me. It's the reassurance. 
it's also in watching my father. I come from a family where I'm the youngest in the family. And mm. I saw my father go through many different challenges in life and overcome it, including building a business from scratch in an industry he had absolutely no clue about. At what age? Probably in his 50s. What industry was that? In the printing industry. Fantastic. So he starts Wait. from scratch. From Why scratch. did he do that? Because he, he, he left his previous job, didn't know what to do, did some reading. My dad was a curious guy by nature. Right. And he, so he, he found out what machines were there in Europe that he could do printing. So he ended up building a printing press in Dopayo Industrial Park where he printed name cards and T-shirts and wedding invitations and all wow. kinds of stuff and built a business out of that. That's so, fabulous. And this was before the days of startups, right? So... Um, you know, so it, it could be done. So you, you, I had a lot of very good role models in my life yeah. that also made a difference. I'm sorry you lost your dad to COVID during the, the COVID era uh, recently. And, and I was so, you know, moved when I read about how your dad taught himself computer skills at 70. Yeah. And I wonder, you shared one example. Was there other examples in his life that shed light on, on facing fear and doing what you have to do to get through it? You know, my dad was a simple guy. We, you know, we come from a middle-income family, and you know, he he was very curious. My dad, at, at a later in life, you know, his legs were really weak, so he was on a wheelchair. But the beauty of this man was, he ended up going and exploring all of Singapore on a wheelchair. You know, and there's nothing, and we take our, our transport systems for granted. We've got an amazing transport system, and he would go with his helper, uh, you know, with him, and and he would take the buses. All over Singapore, he would he would go to places that you know um, I've never explored. To be perfectly honest with you, and he would <laughs> sing its praises and stuff like that. And at eighty nine, he went for a computer class. He was computer literate, which he learned on his own. Mm. And he went for a computer class to learn how to use Windows ten because you know the, the upgrading the OS things change, and he was getting slower. So he was the he was the oldest kid in class, and and he went to a community center to learn that. So. You know, just looking at how he lived and how he went about, he, he didn't let his physical condition stop him from living life to the fullest. And a lot of it was just his mindset, you know, his curiosity, his sense of adventure, his willingness to learn. And, you know, to some extent, unlearn. Because if you're going to go use, learn how to use Windows 10, you've got to unlearn all your past habits of how you used the previous OSs. Mm. So it was, it was really fascinating watching him and watching a role model like him in my life. I had him up front, front seat, right, front row seat. And I think that was a big inspiration. And, you know, I, you don't realize these kind of things and you don't realize the people around you that you can learn from or others that you can learn from yeah. until you don't have them anymore. This is true. And I think COVID gave me a lot of time to introspect and kind of think through life and the journey I had, you know, given we were in a lockdown and there was no one else, nowhere else to go. So I wanted to do this book and I promised listeners uh, at the start of this show that we talk about choice paralysis, you know, and I think it's very apt. You talked about literal paralysis in this book. So you're the man to go to. A lot of people feel stuck. You know, maybe they want to declare a major in school or they want to choose a different career path that they've been on for, for ages or, or they want to move on from a difficult relationship. What do you think is key to uh, making a choice that helps support your growth? It's a really interesting question. Now, if you close your eyes and you think of three bubbles, if you're driving, please don't close, close your eyes. But if you, if you close your eyes for a second, you think of three bubbles, right? You think about uh, moments, you think about choices, and you think about awareness. In a moment, there are choices we make. 
and the choices we make based based on the awareness we have, awareness of the circumstance, situation, and essentially context, and awareness of who we are. The interaction of these three circles is where I think a lot of things happen. Mm. Sometimes growth happens in the in the intersection of these three. Sometimes growth doesn't happen. Sometimes you make the decision that wasn't the best of it. But what what the, the key is how do you learn from the instance, right? And when you learn, how do you apply? How do you change? So for me, the basic premise always has been you start with you know awareness, awareness of who you are. Most of us don't necessarily confront this question of who am I? Who are we? What are our triggers? What makes us happy? What do we want? What makes us sad? What holds us back? What fears do we have? And we don't take time to sit down and spend time or create that space that I talk about for ourselves. And I think COVID was the great, you know, uh, accelerator for all of this because suddenly COVID hit and everyone, you know, started to start thinking about life. Mm. I also think when it comes to making choices, I like those three bubbles of yours um, and, and how one circle is about awareness because I think a lot of the good things in life come from your peripheral vision. You know, you might think, okay, I'm gunning for this. I want this goal. This is my three to five year map. And then somebody that you met for lunch gives you a call and you realize it's a great opportunity and it came from left field. So that's why I think expanding your sense of... Um, awareness gives you more choices in life. And by that, I mean, in a way, yes, knowing more about yourself, but also just a letting go of, of what we all tend to do, which is like focus so hard on our three-year goal or five-year goal. That's do you know right. what I mean? That's right. That's right. I think I grew up with not enough structure in my life. And I think that honestly worked for me because I, I, I started being more curious, less, less hung up on, on what my three-year goals were and so on and so forth. I actually never had a goal. People ask me, did you always know what you wanted? I said, honestly, I, I didn't. But I, I kind of found out early in life what I didn't want. And what I didn't want, I started to close those doors and I went on to new pastures, not knowing. I guess you know, moving from, moving from, flight, from a flight steward and taking a 70% pay cut, on hindsight, sounds stupid. But it's probably the best thing I did, quite honestly. 70% pay cut, which industry did you move to? I left, when I left Singapore Airlines, I, I joined an, another smaller company who funded my, my little startup idea. Uh, so okay, my so basic pay went from XX to YY, which was 70%. And then yeah, the but rest you went for was, employee to boss, basically. Well, I wouldn't right. call it boss. <laughs> <laughs> boss of a small company. Harish Kupchandani is my guest. He's written a, a great book called Growth by Choice. Harish, you talk in this book about unleashing our inner genius. What is that? It is a belief I have that all of us are unique and all of us have a genius. Genius not measured by the Mensa IQ type test. Mm -hmm. You know, some people call it potential. I like to call it genius. And I think if we, if we can tap to who, into who we are, we can actually bring out the best versions of ourselves over time. And I say over time because growth is a long game. Many of us play growth for a short game. We jump from job to job. We go for bigger titles. But over a period of time, that doesn't pay. Or we go to a, a fancy university because we think getting a branded university degree is going to set us up for life. Yeah. So I actually believe there's a genius in each one of us and it's unique to us. So, you know, how do we become the best version of ourselves versus trying to become someone we're not? Mm -hmm. I think it's the opportunity we have. Let's help that person who's really, really stuck, wants to move on, especially in the world of work. What do you say to this person? You know, <laughs> 
Firstly, I, I, I won't say anything. I'd probably be listening to this person to understand why this person is stuck and what's mm. holding him or her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think the, the ability to, be, to listen, to be curious, to understand what the signs are that holds this person back, I think it's going to be super important. And, you know, for me in the book, I have a growth framework that I kind of put together. It's not rocket science, quite honestly. It's pretty simple. But you know, it takes practice to be able to master it over a period of time. And it's not one of those things that you do in one session and you kind of get it. No, we want and the this- hack. We only have 12 minutes. We want the you hack. Want I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> joking. No, but let me help you out. So the inner genius, you say, requires an alignment of behavior and values and goals. So let me ask you to illustrate that. When did you feel you could tap into your inner genius? Can you get- share a concrete example? When you, when you think about what, what I wrote around the inner genius, it's on hindsight, right? So when you, when you think about it, it's on hindsight. It's, it's, it's me going back in time and, and like connecting the dots. But it happened for me at work at Microsoft many, many years ago when I started to learn how to let go of who I was trying to be. And the moment I let go of who I was trying to be, I let go of this facade I was putting up. The moment I started to try and be myself, find the courage to speak up and behave in a way that was me, when that started to align, I started to feel a massive weight off me and I started to move forward in ways that were lighter, faster, quicker. And I didn't have that fear in me anymore. It was, it was, it was a moment of magic and it's very hard for me to turn around and, and, and explain to you. So I would get into meetings and feel more confident of who I am. I would speak up. Many a times you go into meetings, you had an idea, but you're scared to speak up. And guess what? Suddenly someone else speaks up and you say, oh, no, I had that idea. I should have spoken up. It's a great idea after all. Mm-hmm. All of us go through those moments. But what holds us back in those moments is fear because we don't want to be misinterpreted. We don't want to be misunderstood or we don't yeah. want to look like we're stupid, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had, so the moment I, 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 I kind of let go and the moment what I'm thinking aligns with who I am at the core and my behaviors exhibited in the way I, I show up, in the way I converse, in the way I listen, the way I ask. And that's where the magic happened for me over time. And you keep practicing that over, over time. And, you know, I've been, I've been really fortunate. I've been really grateful for the opportunities that came after that for me. I like how you describe speaking up. And I've noticed this not only in myself, but in a, a lot of young people that I still meet in this day and age. So um, you say growing up in Singapore was great. You always felt connected to the rest of Asia and the world. I had a great education, but there were a few things lacking. There wasn't much nurturing of my confidence, speaking and presenting skills and the ability to think critically. I was always taught to respect hierarchy and listen to authority. So I think this is a cultural aspect that maybe a lot of listeners can understand on a very personal level. So what was key to freeing your voice? You talked a little bit about the sense of shifting your identity. Uh, What else helped you find your voice? It's recognizing what was holding me back. It's recognizing that these were the things about me that held me back. So how do I unlearn all of these things? And I think that first step happened when I flew with Singapore Airlines when I was 21, 22, and I, I got my, when I landed a job and I started to travel the world, I did a lot of international flights. Mm. 
And wow, it opened up my mind to an oasis that I never knew existed because I grew up in Singapore. I didn't do much traveling out of Singapore. You know, we couldn't afford it during those days to travel. So Singapore Airlines, you know, was probably a blessed job for me because I started to look at America and see what marketing really was, how people engage, how consumers behave. You know, I, I, I was in Frankfurt and you go to the parks and you see people, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And you're like, oh, my God, this is the world, the reality, you know, and it got me curious. It, it helped me broaden my horizon. And then working in a multinational was the other, other key pivot, right? Because you start to work with international talent. You start to work with people from different places, different upbringing, and, and you start to realize why they were more effective in what they did versus you. So that, and then the third piece is getting feedback. And when you put all that together, and if you're humble enough, you develop a sense of awareness of what's holding you back. And once you have that awareness, then you've got to ask yourself, what do you do with it? Do you do something or do you stick with your ego and arrogance and say, I'm not doing anything. Did I'm you formally try to improve presenting and public speaking? I did. Hmm. did. I took a lot of risks. Some, one story I shared in the book, but, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm an introvert. You know, this interview is hard, you know, um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's one of those things that you've you got to do. Yeah. If, if you want to be heard, you want to be seen, and you want to, you want to be able to impact a lot of others. Because success is not about me. Success is about how I enable success of others. Oh, and, this and is that- fascinating. This is fascinating. First of all, um, I have done, I have over 20 years done hundreds and maybe thousands of interviews. And I don't know if people know, but I, at age seven, would never have thought that I would be doing this, you know, interviewing. That's all I've done for the last 20 years. But I mean, left to my own devices, I'd be in book re- in bed with a book reading because I too am an introvert. So I understand where you're coming from about why we do the things we do. Uh, when it comes to success, you're an entrepreneur. Many entrepreneurs listen to this show and uh, they want to get some very concrete ideas on growing their business. Will this book help them grow in that regard? Uh, I would like to think so, because I think entrepreneurs go through different phases, different stages. They're moving really, really fast. Yeah. And sometimes in order to move fast, you've got to stay still. It's a very, very hard thing to grasp, but it's true. And you've got to create space. Space, not just in terms of creating physical space, but space in terms of creating shared experiences, collaborating with other people, taking the time to listen so that you can separate the noise and the signals of what your, where your business can go. So I do think it can. And hopefully, like I said in the book, it provokes, it unlocks and inspires. You know, the idea is to provoke thought, bring teams together, discuss, you know. Hopefully it inspires, it inspires action, it inspires thought, it inspires introspection. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, it, it provides the ability for people to take action. You know, and I think... I think that's, that's the opportunity, you know, potentially for, for the entrepreneurs as well as they, as they read the book and hopefully it starts a conversation within their teams, within the founders on what they can do differently. It's to start to build teams and build an organization that could be meaningful and that can help impact, you know, the societies and environments they work in. Fantastic. What is your definition of success? For me personally, yeah. success is a, for, for the book or for me? For you. I think when you read the book, Hopefully, that inspires that. It, that's what it's meant to do, right? It unlocks, hopefully, it unlocks introspection within an individual. It mm. unlocks insights within an individual about the individual. For mm. me, over time, 
like I wrote in the starting of the book, I wish, I really wish I knew uh, what the definition of success was early on in life. And for me now, success is about how I enable the success of other people, whether it's my family, whether it's the teams I lead, the organizations I work for. Mm-hmm. If I can do that on societies I live in, if I can do that, then I think I've, I've accomplished. Then I think I'm successful. I think the byproduct of that is, you know, the life you lead, the money you make. That's all byproducts at the end of the day. Arish, absolute joy speaking with you. Good luck with the book. Thank you, Michelle. Good speaking with you and thanks for having me. My pleasure. Harish Kupchandani is the author. The title again is Growth by Choice. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.